0: Book Two, Chapter Four of The World's Desire. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marcel D. Ward, The Soul Expands.com. The World's Desire by H. rider Haggard. Chapter Four The Queen's Chamber. At midday, on the morrow pharaoh and the host of pharaoh marched in pomp from tanis taking the road that runs across the desert country towards the red sea of weeds the way that the apura had gone the wanderer went with the army for an hour's journey and more in a chariot driven by ray the priest for ray did not march with the host the number of the soldiers of pharaoh amazed their kin accustomed to the levies of barren isles and scattered tribes but he said nothing of his wonder to ray or any man lest it should be thought that he came from among a little people he even made as if he held the army lightly and asked the priest if this was all the strength of the pharaoh then ray told him that it was but a fourth part for none of the mercenaries and none of the soldiers from the upper land marched with the king in pursuit of the apura then the wanderer knew that he was come among a greater people than he had ever encountered yet on land or sea so he went with them till the roads divided and there he drove his chariot to the chariot of pharaoh and bade him farewell pharaoh called to him to mount his own chariot and spake thus to him swear to me thou wanderer who namest thyself Eperitus? thou of what country thou art and what was thy father's house none know swear to me that thou wilt guard Meriamun, the queen faithfully and wilt work no woe upon me nor open my house while i am afar great thou art and beautiful to look on ay and strong enough beyond the strength of men yet my heart misdoubts me of thee for methinks thou art a crafty man and that evil will come upon me through thee if this be thy mind pharaoh said the wanderer leave me not in guard of the queen and yet methinks i did not befriend thee so ill two nights gone when the rabble would have put thee and all thy house to the sword because of the death of the firstborn Now Pharaoh looked on him long and doubtfully, then stretched out his hand. The wanderer took it, and swore by his own gods, by Zeus, by Aphrodite, and Athena, and Apollo, that he would be true to the trust. I believe thee, wanderer, said Pharaoh. Know this, if thou keepest thine oath, thou shalt have great rewards, and thou shalt be second to none in the land of Kim." But if thou failest, then thou shalt die miserably. I ask no fee, answered the wanderer, and I fear no death, for in one way only shall I die, and that is known to me, yet I will keep my oath. And he bowed before Pharaoh, and leaping from his chariot entered again into the chariot of Rei. Now, as he drove back through the host, the soldiers called to him, saying, Leave us not, wanderer. For he looked so glorious in his golden armor, that it seemed to them as though a god departed from their ranks. His heart was with them, for he loved war, and he did not love the apura. But he drove on, as so it must be, and came to the palace at sundown. That night he sat at the feast by the side of Meriam and the queen. And when the feast was done, she bade him follow her into her chamber, where she sat, when she would be alone it was a fragrant chamber dimly lighted with sweet scented lamps furnished with couches of ivory and gold while all the walls told painted stories of strange gods and kings and of their loves and wars the queen sank back upon the embroidered cushions of a couch and bade the wise odysseus to sit guard over against her so near that her robe swept his golden greaves this he did somewhat against his will though he was no hater of fair women but his heart misdoubted the dark-eyed queen and he looked upon her guardedly for she was strangely fair to see the fairest of all mortal women whom he had known save the golden helen wanderer we owe thee great thanks and i would gladly know to whom we are in debt for the price of our lives she said tell me of thy birth of thy father's house and of the lands that thou hast seen and the wars wherein thou hast fought. Tell me also of the sack of Ilios, and how thou camest by thy golden mail. The unhappy Paris wore such arms as these, if the minstrel of the North sang truth. Now the wanderer would gladly have cursed this minstrel of the North and his songs. Minstrels will be lying, lady, he said, and they gather old tales wherever they go. Paris may have worn my arms or another man, i bought them from a chapman in crete and asked nothing of their first master as for ilios i fought there in my youth and served the cretan idomenius but i got little booty to the king the wealth and women to us the sword strokes such is the appearance of war meriamun listened to his tale which he set forth roughly as if he were some blunt grumbling swordsman and darkly she looked on him while she hearkened and darkly she smiled as she looked a strange story Eperitus. a strange story truly now tell me thus how camest thou by yonder great bow the bow of the swallow strain? if my minstrel spoke truly it was once the bow of eurytus of oecalia now the wanderer glanced round him like a man taken in ambush who sees on every hand the sword of foes shine up into the sunlight the bow lady he answered readily enough i got it strangely i was cruising with a cargo of iron on the western coast and landed on a nile methinks the pilot called it ithaca there we found nothing but death a pestilence had been in the land but in a ruined hall this bow was lying and i made prize of it a good bow a strange story truly a very strange story quoth meriamun the queen by chance thou didst buy the armour of paris by chance thou didst find the bow of eurytus that bow methinks with which the godlike odysseus slew the wooers in his halls knowest thou Eperitus, that when thou stoodest yonder on the board in the place of banquets when the grey bow twanged and the long shafts hailed down on the hall and loosened the knees of many, not a little was I put in mind of the song of the slaying of the wars at the hands of Odysseus. The fame of Odysseus has wandered far, aye, even to Kemp, and she looked straight at him. The wanderer darkened his face and put the matter by. He had heard something of that tale, he said, But deemed it a minstrel's feigning. One man could not fight a hundred, as the story went. The queen half rose from the couch where she lay curled up like a glittering snake. Like a snake she rose and watched him with her melancholy eyes. Strange indeed, most strange that Odysseus, Laertes' son, Odysseus of Ithaca, should not know the tale of the slaying of the wars by Odysseus himself. Strange indeed thou apparatus who art Odysseus? Now the neck of the wanderer was in the noose, and well he knew it, yet he kept his counsel and looked upon her vacantly. Men say that this Odysseus wandered years ago into the north, and that this time he will not come again. I saw him in the wars, and he was a taller man than I, said the wanderer. I have always heard, said the queen, that Odysseus was double tongued and crafty as a fox. Look me in the eyes, thou wanderer, look me in the eyes, and I will show thee whether or not thou art Odysseus. And she leaned forward, so that her hair well nigh swept his brow, and gazed deep into his eyes. Now the wanderer was ashamed to drop his eyes before a woman's, and he could not rise and go, so he must needs gaze. And as he gazed, his head grew strangely light, and the blood quivered in his veins, and then seemed to stop. Now turn, thou wanderer, said the voice of the queen, and to him it sounded far away, as if there was a wall between them. And tell me what thou seest. So he turned and looked towards the dark end of the chamber, but presently through the darkness stole a faint light, like the first gray light of the dawn, and now he saw a shape. "'like the shape of a great horse of wood, "'and behind the horse were black square towers "'of huge stones and gates and walls and houses. "'Now he saw a door open in the side of the horse, "'and the helmeted head of a man look out wearily, "'as he looked a great white star slid down the sky "'so that the light of it rested on the face of the man. "'And that face was his own. "'And then he remembered how he had looked forth from the belly of the wooden horse as it stood within the walls of ilios and thus the star had seemed to fall upon the doomed city an omen of the end of troy look again said the voice of meriamun from far away so once more he looked into the darkness and there he saw the mouth of a cave and beneath two palms in front of it sat a man and a woman The yellow moon rose, and its light fell upon a sleeping sea, upon tall trees, upon the cave, and the two who sat there. The woman was lovely, with braided hair, and clad in a shining robe, and her eyes were dim, with tears that she might never shed. For she was a goddess, Calypso, the daughter of Atlas. Then in the vision the man looked up, and his face was weary, and worn, and sick for home but it was his own face. Then he remembered how he sat thus at the side of Calypso with the braided tresses on that last night of all his nights in her wave girt isle, the center of the seas. Look once more, said the voice of Meriamun, the queen. Again he looked into the darkness. There before him grew the ruins of his own hall in Ithaca, and in the courtyard before the hall was a heap of ashes and the charred bones of men. Before the heap lay the figure of one lost in sorrow, for his limbs writhed upon the ground. Anon the man lifted his face, and behold, the wanderer knew that it was his own face. Then of a sudden the gloom passed away from the chamber, and once more his blood surged through his veins, and there before him sat and the queen, smiling darkly strange sights hast thou seen is it not so wanderer she said yea queen the most strange of sights tell me of thy courtesy how thou didst conjure them before my eyes by the magic that i have apparatus i above all wizards who dwell in Kim. the magic whereby i can read all the past of those i love and again she looked upon him i and call it forth from the storehouse of dead time and make it live again say whose face was it that thou didst look upon was it not the face of odysseus of ithaca the laertes son and was not that face thine now the wanderer saw that there was no escape therefore he spoke the truth not because he loved it but because he must the face of odysseus of ithaca it was that I saw before me lady and that face is mine i avow myself to be odysseus Laertes' son and no other man the queen laughed aloud great must be my strength of magic she said for it can strip the guile from the subtlest of men henceforth odysseus thou wilt know that the eyes of meriamun the queen see far now tell me truly what camest thou hither to seek the wanderer took swift counsel with himself remembering that dream of meriamun of which rei the priest had told him and which she knew not that he had learned the dream that showed her the vision of one whom she must love and remembering the word of the dead hataska he grew afraid for he saw well by the token of the spear point that he was the man of her dream and that she knew it but he could not accept her love both because of his oath to pharaoh and because of her whom aphrodite had shown to him in ithaca her whom alone he must seek the heart's desire the golden helen the strait was desperate between a broken oath and a woman scorned but he feared his oath and the anger of zeus the god of hosts and guests so he sought safety beneath the wings of truth lady he said i will tell thee all i came to ithaca from the white north where a curse had driven me i came and found my halls desolate and my people dead and the very ashes of my wife but in a dream of the night i saw the goddess whom i have worshipped little aphrodite of idalia whom in this land ye name hathor and she bade me go forth and do her will and for reward she promised me that i should find one who waited me to be my deathless love meriamun heard him so far but no further For of this she made sure that she was the woman whom Aphrodite had promised to the wanderer. Ere he might speak another word, she glided to him like a snake, and like a snake curled herself about him. Then she spoke so low that he rather knew her thought than heard her words. Was it indeed so, Odysseus? Did the goddess indeed send thee to seek me out? Know then that not to thee alone did she speak. I also looked for thee, I also awaited the coming of one whom I should love. Oh, heavy have been the days, and empty was my heart, and sorely through the years have I longed for him who should be brought to me. And now at length it is done, now at length I see him whom in my dream I sought. And she lifted her lips to the lips of the wanderer, and her heart, and her eyes, and her lips said, Love. But it was not for nothing that he bore a stout, impatient heart, and a brain unclouded by danger or by love. He had never been in a strait like this, caught with bonds that no sword could cut, and in toils that no skill could undo. On one side were love and pleasure, on the other a broken oath, and the loss forever of the heart's desire. For to love another woman, as he had been warned, was to lose Helen. But again, if he scorned the queen, nay, for all his hardihood, he dared not tell her that she was not the woman of his vision, the woman he came to seek. Yet even now his cold courage and his cunning did not fail him. Lady, he said, we both have dreamed, but if thou didst dream, thou wert my love, thou didst wake to find thyself the wife of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh is my host and hath my hope. I woke to find myself the wife of Pharaoh she echoed wearily and her arms uncurled from his neck and she sank back on the couch i am pharaoh's wife in word but not in deed pharaoh is nothing to me thou wanderer naught save a name yet is my oath much to me queen Meriamun? my oath and the hospitable hearth the wanderer made answer i swore to meneptah to hold thee from all ill and there's an end and if pharaoh comes back no more What then, Odysseus? Then will we talk again. And now, lady, thy safety calls me to visit thy guard. And without more words he rose and went. The queen looked after him. A strange man, she said in her heart, who builds a barrier with his oath betwixt himself and her he loves, and has wandered so far to win. Yet methinks I honor him the more. Pharaoh Meneptah, my husband, eat, drink, and be merry, for this I promise thee, short shall be thy days. End of Book Two, Chapter Two, Recording by Marcel D. Ward, The Soul com